You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production. Anytime a politician calls a press conference and says, I'm sorry, I really messed up, you know something went badly off the rails. I made a promise to you that I wouldn't touch the green belt. I broke that promise. And for that, I'm very, very sorry. In today's hyperpartisan climate, it is rare to hear a politician accept criticism and back down, as Ontario Premier Doug Ford did last week on his plan to develop Ontario's Greenbelt. It was a mistake to open the Greenbelt to establish a process that moved too fast. Before you give Ford too much credit for this move, however, it is worth considering what had to happen for it to be made. That would be a months-long saga of scandals, including corruption allegations, donations at a stag and doe party, at least two separate scathing reports, at least one police investigation, and a sketchy-as-heck trip to Vegas, where an aide and a developer got massages together, as you do. That's just what I could quickly fit into this intro. There is a lot more, a lot of things. We still don't know. But the Greenbelt will now, Ford says, be protected. The legislation will soon reveal exactly how, and it'll also reveal just how much of a mess is left behind in the wake of the reversal. Will developers who purchased land planning to develop it now sue the government? Does Ford's reversal mean that the RCMP will suddenly stop looking into this whole affair? Will it reverse the party's plunging fortunes in the polls. Whenever a government listens to people and fixes a broken promise, it's worth crediting them. It's also worth taking a step back to assess the damage. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. This is The Big Story. Emma McIntosh is an Ontario reporter with the Narwhal. Emma, how's independent media looking these days? Having a pretty good couple of days, Jordan. Couple, couple good days here. This is your victory lap on this podcast, though you probably wouldn't call it that, but I might. Well, it ain't over till it's over, but um, we do have some interesting developments to talk about today, or maybe lack of developments to talk about today. Well, this is kind of the culmination, I will say, which is why I mostly facetiously called it a victory lap. <laughs> well, it was definitely... A lot of news outlets really adding on pieces and bits of things in this Greenbelt scandal. And, you know, I also, the first story that I wrote about this was with the Toronto Star, our friends at the Star. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of things can be traced back to that moment, but maybe more of a win for media as a whole and for citizens who stood up for what they believed in. Where were you when you heard uh, Doug Ford's huge announcement uh, last Wednesday? Were you at that event? Jordan, believe it or not, I was actually working on a different story. And for the first time... You work time on different ma- stories? <laughs> oh, it's still about the green belt. Don't worry. Okay. But for the first time in maybe my entire life, I was actually focusing and not looking at my phone. And so I missed that people had been trying to get a hold of me for like hours. Oh, man. <laughs> and I had about five minutes notice that it was going to happen. It's just crazy. I don't know if anyone was expecting it until that day, especially in Doug Ford. Well, tell me about your reaction to the news. This story has been a huge part of your work for at least a year, but it's also just, it's a heck of a twist in a story this big. 
Heck of a twist is such a good phrase. Yeah. At first, I was just kind of speechless. Like, I think I had to pick my jaw up off the ground first uh, before I could even think about what was going on. My second reaction was, oh man, this is going to be messy. And that's for a couple of reasons. So number one, the developers who have also made this a big part of their work life for almost the last year, they have been gunning it to try to get shovels in the ground on Greenbelt lands that will be now returned to the protected area. And now that's just up in smoke. If I were them, I might be thinking about legal action. So that's one thing. The other thing is, well, are we really sure this is going to happen? You know, the government says it's going to introduce legislation to make this happen this week. But a part of me is a little skeptical. I want to see the details of that and understand how it's going to play out and when it's going to play out and, you know, whether taxpayer dollars end up being part of the equation, uh, just because the government has already announced something like this before, right? A couple of weeks ago, they said they were going to do a Greenbelt review uh, to look at whether these lands belong in the Greenbelt or not. And then it kind of turned out that they were actually using that as a way to maybe take more land out of the Greenbelt. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like I said earlier, it ain't over till it's over. Okay, but uh, we played most of the statement in the intro. It is hard to imagine a politician being any more clear than Doug Ford was last week when he said, I broke my promise. I was wrong. We'll put the land back in the Greenbelt and we won't touch the Greenbelt. Where would the wiggle room be here? You know, I don't even know, Jordan, but I mean, another video that also sounded really emphatic was the premier back in 2018 before he was elected, where he said, I hear you loud and clear, unequivocally, I won't touch the green belts. A couple of years later, we were having different conversations. But um, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how the government structures this. Just now, I came from question period at the legislature, where the new minister of municipal affairs and housing was telling us that he's planning to not only put the land back in the green belt, but actually give it a little bit of stronger protection by making it legislation instead of a regulation, which is way deep in the weeds of nerdy stuff. But basically, they're acting like they're serious. So maybe they are. You've been reporting on this the whole time. You've joined this show uh, a few times, you and your colleagues, to talk about developments in this story. But just as we got closer to this decision, maybe just give us a sense of the past two, three weeks that led up to this. It has really been a rough end to summer for for Doug Ford. It all kind of started to go wrong in mid-August when the Auditor General released a report The Auditor General found that the Chief of Staff to the former Housing Minister had spearheaded this process uh, and that basically it had not gone the way these things are supposed to go. The Auditor General detailed all these like shocking revelations. I remember we were talking about it a couple of weeks ago and we were saying it seems like a Hollywood movie script. Mm -hmm. It was like developers at an industry gala passing packages to the chief of staff who passed them along to these staffers working under non-disclosure agreements. I mean, it was bonkers. And that seemed pretty bad. And then a couple of weeks later, the integrity commissioner, another provincial watchdog, unleashed another report that somehow had even more details. And that's when things really started to go off the rails. Not long after that, the housing minister resigned. By the time the integrity commissioner report came out, the chief of staff had already resigned. And there was a a bit of a side plot in the integrity commissioner report about a Las Vegas trip that a minister took with a Greenbelt developer. Again, Hollywood, baby, Hollywood. And they had told the integrity commissioner that they just bumped into each other in the lobby, but great investigative reporting 
by the Trillium, uh, shed some light on maybe how the dates of that trip had been wrong. And then more reporting by CTV found that they had actually gotten massages together. Yeah. And, and this is what I mean, right? Like great investigative reporting on top of great investigative reporting from a ton of outlets. So now the total number of people who have resigned is four. The chief of staff, the housing minister, Steve Clark, Khalid Rashid, who is also a minister who was on that Vegas trip, and Jay Truesdell, the director of housing policy to the premier, who was also on the Las Vegas trip. That brings us to the announcement. You mentioned that your jaw hit the floor at the announcement when you watched it. But was there a sense, as there sometimes is in stories like this, that something dramatic was about to happen, that like things could not continue to go on with like drip, 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 resignation story, resignation story? Were things coming to a head? I think it was clear to maybe everyone except Doug Ford that the Greenbelt decision was not going to last much longer. It was just kind of a matter of time until he realized that. You know, today the legislature resumed and there's a big group of people protesting out on the lawn. As far as I can tell, not about the Greenbelt. I know there were Greenbelt protests planned. That was going to be unpleasant. And also by the very nature of the scandal, we know we have more reports coming. And this was maybe only going to get worse. The opposition are already, even though the land is back in the green belt, they're still going hard at the premier, asking him what his personal culpability is here. That was going to be way worse. It's just, he was staring down the barrel of a really, really long couple of months where things did not look like they were going to get much better. And that was showing up in the polls too. Right. I mean, they were really starting to slide because the green belt surrounds the greater Toronto area, right? In these ridings that are very rich in voters, those suburbs that really propelled the Conservatives to victory. And so if people in those ridings are starting to turn, that is a big problem for the next election. So Ford said one of the reasons he made the decision was hearing from the people that he likes to talk to. Do we know if that's the real decision? Do we know uh, what was going on behind the scenes if there was that kind of pressure? Maybe that just hasn't come out yet. Well, we know that MPPs were really putting pressure on the premier. So this announcement was made in Niagara at the conclusion of a caucus retreat, which is a, a thing that happens. And at the retreat, MPPs were telling Ford, thanks to good reporting from the Toronto Star, we know about this. The MPPs were telling Ford that they were getting an earful from their constituents, that it was getting very uncomfortable, that they were worried about losing the next election. We also know they were presented with some very worrying internal polling. And so I think at this point, Ford really didn't have much of a choice, you know? Who knows what other information is going to come out, but they had to stop the free fall somehow. Let's talk about what happens to the land now. Like what actually physically happens to the land in the green belt or that will now be returned to the green belt? What's been done on that land since anything? You mentioned developers were racing to get shovels in the ground. Like what's going on at the actual place uh, we're discussing? So we've heard reports that developers have been out there surveying, doing that kind of work um, to prepare these sites for construction. But a lot of the work has really been going on behind the scenes where developers have been negotiating with municipal councils and municipal governments to make a deal to get these things going. As far as we now know, that's all up in smoke. That land is going to go back in the green belt. It isn't yet, but it should be soon. And... That's kind of that. The premier promised he would never touch it again. But you really have to wonder about how the developers are, are going to react. I mean, earlier in the summer, 
I uh, worked on a story with our friends at the Toronto Star that showed that after the Greenbelt decision, developers had spent millions of dollars scooping up more land that they thought was developable. And so that's going to be really interesting to watch it is how they react. Well, yeah. What happens to that land on paper? Like, is it just it's it's filed back away in the Greenbelt, which means you can't build this stuff here and sorry, you paid X million dollars for it and you were speculating on the land, as they say, and you lost the speculation. Yeah, I think so. I mean, last year when this first happened, you and I, I think, talked about how they're basically kind of painting a green line around pieces of land, right? Like, and in the case of the Greenbelt removals, they were erasing a green line around these little areas. And now, yeah, the green line's back, development not allowed. But there are a lot of interesting questions here. I mean, so when the Greenbelt was first created, developers fought it in court like crazy, a couple of them in particular. But in the end, they lost because this gets into like the weeds of uh, urban planning, but the land isn't technically zoned for development yet. It's zoned as agricultural land. So there were still things in the way of them developing it. Like you said, it's speculative, right? And that's kind of the, the name of the game. Sometimes you win and you win big and sometimes you lose. So some of them might challenge the decision and who knows what the outcome would be. Doug Ford himself has said that he thinks that developers... Uh, you know, he can't predict the future, but he's he's really keen to keep working with developers. Huh. Also, thanks to the Toronto Star, we know that the Ford government privately is saying that they're not worried, that they think developers need other approvals from them before they can really move forward. So they're not likely to try to make some enemies at Queen's Park. Well, when we talk about legal actions, like the thing that I keep coming back to when I think about it is like, how could they sue based on expectations they really weren't supposed to have, right? Like, if they do that, wouldn't it just be officially revealing that the government explicitly told them, you can buy this land, we're going to carve it out of the green belt? And, like, that's the crux of the whole corruption angle, right? Am I getting something confused? Slightly. Okay. <laughs> so the Integrity Commissioner's report found that the government didn't explicitly tip off developers about this. But it's actually something a little more subtle, where for years, a lot of these guys have been asking the government to take that land out of the green belt. And for many years, the government's response was, yeah, right, get out of my face, no. And so when the government seemed interested, when they asked for more details, when they asked, how many homes do you think you could build there? That let developers know that the game was changing. And so it could be really interesting even if the lawsuits aren't likely to be successful, they can be damaging, more information can come out. We saw that back in 2005 when the Greenbelt was created, where one of the developers really made a stink. He was leaking stuff about his own contact with the government, about dinners with developers that the government at the time was having. And all of that ended up being very scandalous, even though it really didn't affect the outcome of the Greenbelt in the end. And that could be one angle that we see draw this crisis out, right? You know, some people are going to be probably satisfied to see the premier apologize and put the land back in the green belt. But that doesn't mean that the damaging revelations are necessarily going to stop. One of the last times we talked, we talked about uh, the RCMPs, I guess, maybe it is, maybe it isn't yet an investigation. Does this mean that stops? We really do not know, and I am on the edge of my seat here to find out. The RCMP, uh, we had some questions for them related to this review, and the RCMP told us that they couldn't answer them in order to preserve the integrity of any ongoing investigation. When we went, wait, 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 
what does that mean? <laughs> what? There's an investigation? And their response was, there are no updates at this time. So that's confusing. And we don't really know what that's about. I think maybe if I'm the Ford government, I'm really looking to hear the RCMP say that they're throwing this out. If we don't hear that from the RCMP in the next couple of weeks, I would start to be very concerned if I were them. Hmm. Just because the decision has been reversed doesn't mean that something wrong might not have happened there. I mean, we don't have any evidence that anything wrong did happen, but I'm surprised that the cops haven't come out and said that this is over. So that's something I'm watching for sure. In terms, lastly, of where we go from here, do we know yet how much this scandal has hurt the government even with the reversal? Does it still carry a political penalty? This is a politician who is willing to be like, yeah, you know what? I was wrong, I'm sorry, and I'm changing my decision, which, you know, let's be honest, doesn't happen a ton in politics these days. Absolutely. It's a rare thing and getting rarer. And I think that's one of the most interesting things about Doug Ford is like that this populist streak that he has will lead him to back down when the backlash gets high enough. The problem is that almost every time this has happened, the premier waits so long and lets the public backlash get so intense that things end up being worse than they would have. And I think in this case, that's kind of what's going on. The premier accidentally opened a Pandora's box. Now we know a lot more than we did before. And what we know is that as seen in the integrity commissioner and auditor general reports, there are problems that have been uncovered here that extend far beyond the green belt. Uh, we know that you know some of the same developers use many of the same methods to get preferential treatment in the Hamilton urban expansion, which is an issue as well. We know that that the premier has not been using his government cell phone, that there are entire months where there are no phone records for I forgot him. about that one. That's an important one. Right? And we're supposed to hear more about that from another provincial watchdog, a third one who deals with those information management issues. And we know there's more integrity commissioner reports coming out into lobbying and all these other problems and Ryan Amato, the chief of staff at the center of all of this. And, you know, we know that staffers have been deleting emails, which is also very worrying. They're not supposed to be doing that. And so I really think that this will continue to reverberate for a while. And we see this with older governments, right? The scandals start to accumulate. It kind of eventually starts to leave a bit of a stink around a government. We're seeing that with the federal liberals right now. And maybe some voters, maybe a lot of voters are willing to forgive Doug Ford and accept his apology. But how many times can you say sorry before the apologies start to mean less? That's the big question. But we're two years from the next election. Last question then, leaving aside the actual legislation that we're going to get a look at this week, because I know you would pick that if you could, what's one thing you still don't know right now about this whole affair that you want to? I think I want to know what public good is going to come from this. You know, scandals and resignations and drama, that all can be interesting to watch go down. But I think what I want to know is like, how is anyone going to prevent this from happening again? We've uncovered real systemic problems in our provincial ethics laws. You know, one other thing that happened last week is uh, the integrity commissioner announced that he would not investigate Doug Ford's daughter's stag and doe because stakeholders of the government are allowed to give cash gifts to the premier's daughter. That's not a problem in our ethics laws, even though I think a lot of people have a personal problem with that, right? 
And so that's what I want to know. The government has announced that they're looking into lobbying reform, into closing up some of those loopholes. And more than any resignations could, I think that's the one place where we could see something good come from this, maybe something that can ensure that Ontario is better for it in the long run. Something else could come from it, aside from our renewed respect and appreciation for hardworking, good old-fashioned journalism. Thank you, Emma, so much for uh, doing this work and joining us to talk about it. Thanks for having me. Always fun. That was Emma McIntosh. And of course, that was the big story. She'll be back on this program probably sooner than we both think, because this scandal is the gift that doesn't stop giving where journalism is concerned. You might consider subscribing to The Narwhal, by the way. They cover much more than just Ontario. They cover news from all over Canada with a climate focus. They've won lots of awards. They don't need me to sing their praises, but I do anyway, because they share their time with us so generously. If you want to talk to us or us to pass anything along to Emma, you can hit us up at hello at thebigstorypodcast.ca, or you can call us and leave a message 416-935-5935. Thanks for listening. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. We'll talk tomorrow.